What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Farmers Insurance Open. This golf tournament starts on Wednesday. There, you've been warned. A Wednesday through Saturday event. The PGA Tour does not want to compete, probably correctly, with NFL Championship Sunday, so they run this Wednesday through Saturday. Very, very unique situation on the PGA Tour, so make sure you get your lineups in. Make sure you get your one-and-done selections in. Make sure you set your fantasy lineups. Make sure you get your bets in all for a Wednesday morning start in San Diego. Uh, I'll be there, right? So let's talk about how this is going to change the schedule for the course of the week. So if you're watching this as it's being released, that's Monday. That's your DFS preview. Uh, there will be a Tuesday betting preview with Andy. That is normal. The only thing that will not happen is the live chat. That's usually Wednesday. I would have to move it to Tuesday, but because I'll be going to Torrey Pines, it's just not going to happen. There will still be a jock market power hour, but it'll be Tuesday night, 8.15 p.m. Eastern time instead of Wednesday night. So if you want to bring your questions there, happy to answer as many as possible as we go through stock market DFS. So uh, that's the really the only change uh, over the course of the week. And, and as I mentioned, if you're going to be out at Torrey Pines, I'll be out here all four days. Say what's up. Say hello. Uh, looking forward to, to getting in touch with a lot of you guys. Not one, but two golf courses in play for this week. So Torrey Pines, there is a north course and there is a south course. What's going to happen is for the first two days, each golfer is going to play one round on each. Then there'll be a 36-hole cut. So back to a 36-hole cut from last week. And then they'll all go back to the south course. The south course is the hard one. The south course is the one you know, right? It's the one that Tiger makes the putt in the U.S. Open and goes against Rocco Mediate uh, for 18 holes on, on Monday, right? It's it's that one. And they're very, very different. So what you'll see is uh, this course key stats model that I'm showing on my website, rickrungood.com. It's going to show the data from the South course. Three out of the four rounds are played there, and that is where the shot link data is going to be coming from. And you'll note... There's, there's at least one thing that stands out in a big way, and it's driving distance. And it makes a lot of sense. Let me show you the South's scorecard. And this is a big, big golf course. Par 72, 7,765 yards. And obviously, that's at sea level, right? I mean, it's, it's a hard course. It's long. And if you are not... As long as your peers, you're already behind the eight ball, and at least the correlation model that I run backs that up. In fact, there's only nine other courses on the PGA Tour schedule where driving distance was more important. You see there's actually a negative correlation on driving accuracy, which I don't think means you don't have to worry about where you where you drive it. Like if you're loose off the tee, you're going to be in trouble. It's three and a half inch thick rough. We'll talk about how wet it's going to be in just a second or how lush it's going to be in just a second. But I just think that the guys that drive it really, really far, which is a huge boost, generally are not super accurate. So I think that's why the correlation model looks like this. And obviously, if you can drive it long and straight, John Rahm, uh, you're in business around this place. We'll talk about the rough in a second. Let me let me show you the North Course scorecard here. It's 7,200 yards. Uh, they're both par 72s. The North Course, much, much easier. They've redone this a couple of times over the years. I think the last redesign was 2016, 2017, something like that. The North Course is going to play a lot easier, right? So the North Course last year played to a 68.7 scoring average. So what is that? Um, boy, is that three shots under par? 3.2 shots under par? 3.3 shots under par? And the South Course played 
over par, 72.37. So you're talking about likely, or at least last year, there being a three-shot difference between the two golf courses. You're really going to be want to be making your hay on the north course and just not holding on on the south course, but really taking what the golf course gives you, um, taking advantage of the opportunities that you get. The differences between the two golf courses, not only in length, but also in uh, putting surface, right? You'll you'll hear it all week long, the south course with these Poana greens. The the north course actually has bentgrass greens, and the the, the Poana greens, you'll, you'll hear it. Like, throughout the day, it buds, right? And it gets this little, it's very... Nasty stuff. It's hard. It's hard to read. The ball kind of bounces around a little bit. And later in the day, it gets even more and more difficult with foot traffic and the way that it kind of grows. And it's it's just it's a difficult little strain of grass. And the guys that um play on it a lot are generally more comfortable with it. They'll we'll look this week at guys that putt uh much better on Poana than other surfaces. They're they're out there, right? I mean, Mad McNeely, I'll just throw one out there for you. Mad McNeely is one of those guys that puts much better on Poana. Uh, makes sense. He, you know, grew up at uh, Pebble Beach and plays a lot on the West Coast and like that makes complete sense. So there is a little bit of experience when it comes to this type of surface. The South Course in itself, um, being long, obviously great. Playing out of the fairway, going to be better than playing out of the rough. It's going to ask you to be a pretty stout tee to green player, a very good ball striker. You know, you're going to have to hit a lot of high, long irons into these greens, which is something not a lot of guys are going to be able to do. Think about the, the guys who have had success here recently. Um, you know, Luke List last year, and, and Luke List has been miserable since he won this event last year, but when he's at his best, like the ball striking ability makes perfect sense. Like Luke List contending, uh, Luke List winning, uh, Wills Altouris finished in a play, uh, in a playoff with him. John Rahm obviously has had unbelievable success around this place. Tony Finau has been pretty good as well. Jason, De like these are the guys that we're thinking about. And when you start to think, okay, what do they do well? You know, it's that long iron play, it's that approach play, hitting it long and straight off the tee. That that's kind of the pathway to success here. It, it is possible. Right? Is it possible that like a Brian Harmon is going to find himself on top of the leaderboard? Maybe. I just think it's a much more narrow path. You've got to be really, really stout around this place. A couple of other things to consider. So we obviously have the Farmers Insurance Open history, but we also have that 2021 U.S. Open that was held at Torrey Pines. So we have that history as well. So when you're going through the data, you can look up. Torrey Pines South and get both U.S. Open and Farmers Insurance Open. You'll see me do that multiple times throughout the week. The weather. There's, I've already read um, quotes about this. So you always get, and trust me, I've, I've played these courses a lot. That south course with that thick rough, for me, when you hit it into the rough, it, it, it's like a one-shot penalty. I have to take a wedge out and just bang it back out because I'm, I'm cooked. I can't get anything on it. They've gotten a lot of rain this January. In fact, I'm showing you the graph right now if you're watching on YouTube. If you're not watching on YouTube, by the way, you can download this as a podcast. I don't think a lot of people realize that. I don't talk about it enough. If you just want to listen to this, there are audio forms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everything, link in the description. They've gotten five and a half inches of rain already in January. That is like three times the amount of rain they normally get in January. And because it's been spread out and consistent, it basically created a situation where this rough is super lush right now, right? It's great. It's it's obviously great for golf course maintenance in Southern California, but you're getting this really lush, thick rough right now. The last time they had this much rain in January was 2016. Yeah, that 2016, right? Remember 
Brant Snedeker winning it because they had to like, there was this unbelievable wind and weather and Billy Horschel's got his hat on backwards and he's running around like a madman and the scoring average was like 80 and Snedeker got in before the storm and shot like one under par and just stole the golf tournament. Like it was absolutely wild. Go back and watch the, the footage from that. That's the last time they had this much rain in January. So helps helps to put that a little bit into perspective. So I think you're going to have to be really, really solid with the big clubs uh, this week. The other thing to note, and this is a little bit of what we talked about last week, where a course rotation in general it creates it creates a little more chaos. It creates a situation where guys are just going to get lucky on the right end of the draw or unlucky on the wrong end of the draw or it's just going to be weird or anything like that. This is only a two-course rotation. You're only playing one round to the north course. But the other thing with the south course itself is you are on knife's edge at all times, right? So if you are playing really well and you're in control of your ball, yeah, you can go out and shoot a couple under par. But if you are on the wrong side of everything, your mistakes compound very, very quickly and you can put up some big numbers and you can start missing putts and you're just like nothing's going in for you. So what you end up finding with golf courses like this is that you don't have a lot of guys with consistent course history. So think about the golf courses that probably have the most consistent course history. Augusta National comes front of mind because you're always getting the same, uh, basically the same level of golfers, same caliber of golfers on a golf course that plays generally very, very similar every single year. It's a smaller field, so more guys make the cut. It's a very, very um, sticky course history. This place is not, right? You will see guys that go like, Win, miscut, miscut, second, miscut, miscut, third, miscut. Like it's it's crazy, right? So I think there's only like three guys off the top of my head that have really, really good uh course history. Obviously, it's John Rahm. I mentioned Tony Fee now, and then Jason Day, who it's you know, he's playing himself back into form now. But like those those are the three guys that are off the top of my head. Like, okay, that that makes sense. They've almost always had great success. Although I think even Fee now might have missed his last two cuts. We'll we'll pull it up in a second. But you're not going to find a lot of elite course history. So you kind of have to be willing to take, Hey, this guy's missed two straight cuts here. Like, yeah, that happens. So kind of not throw it out the window, but consider that as you're going through this process. Okay. Um, let's jump over to the cheat sheet. We'll start talking about some names. We'll start dissecting this very, very exciting. I love this. I love Torrey Pines. Um, you know, one of my favorite places on earth. I can't wait to get out there. And uh, I've played it quite a bit. So very, very much looking forward to this. But let's start talking about some salaries and start talking about some names. All right, four golfers over $10,000. John Rahm, 11-6. More on that in a second. Tony Finau, 10-5. Xander, 10-3. Colin Morikawa, $10,000 flat. John Rahm at 11600 just became the most expensive golfer of this season. Previously, it was Scotty Scheffler, 11500 for the Houston Open. Uh, if you've heard me make this argument before, I actually think he could be more expensive, right? I mean, he's four and a half or four to one to win this golf tournament. Generally, the way that uh, DraftKings does pricing compared to the way they do their odds, there's just not a big enough gap between John Rahm and everybody else. It's about $1,100. But if you look at the implied odds, he's going to win this golf tournament 20% of the time. I don't actually believe he's going to win this golf tournament 20% of the time, but if it's even 12%, something like that, then yeah, there's probably a, a world where he should be 12,000, 12,2, something in that range. I, I don't really have any analysis here on John Rahm. 
right? I mean, what he's doing is absolutely absurd. He's got four wins in his last six starts. If you look back at the strokes gain metrics over that time frame, he's gained double digits in terms of strokes gained in five, excuse me, six of his last seven events. It's an incredibly high floor with an incredibly high ceiling. And now he's going to the one golf course on planet earth that he's probably best suited for, or at least he likes the most, right? This is where he proposed uh, to his now wife. This is where he won um, not only his first PGA tour win, but his U S open. Like this is his spot. John Rahm is by far and away the best player in this field at Torrey Pines, and it's not even a sample size thing. So a lot of times I have to say that as a caveat. So you're looking at the Holy Grail right now. I have to say it as a caveat like, oh, so-and-so is the best here of anybody who has at least 10 rounds. Because you usually have somebody like this, Aaron Rye or Austin Smotherman, who have played here once and they played really well and it skews the data. No, that does not even apply here. John Rahm, 2.97 strokes gained per round, is the best at Torrey Pines. No sample size caveats, nothing. He's got 28 rounds at this event, plus the U.S. Open, and it's just been, uh, you know, absolutely lights out. Worst finish, T29. Everything else is a top seven. Obviously, the two victories. So the way to deploy John Rahm, uh, seemingly would be in your fantasy lineups, to be in your DFS lineups. It would be maybe getting him and somebody else near the top of the board and living down at the bottom. If you want to play the ownership game and see that John Rahm's 30% and forego him, that's fine. He was 30% owned last week. But I think that uh, you probably shouldn't bet John Rahm. One and done. At this point, you should probably just wait for a, a larger purse. I think the way to get access to John Rahm is in your matchup markets, in your season-long fantasy, and then obviously here in your DFS lineups. It's just, it's pretty crazy what he's done. I'll try to also put this into perspective. Last 24 rounds, John Rahm is gaining over three strokes per round, uh, 3.15. That is nearly double the guy in second, which is Tony Finau. Again, I don't need to tell you that John Rahm's a good player. I'm just trying to illustrate how good he has been over the course of his last handful of starts. The rest of the 10K range is really fascinating because if everybody goes to John Rahm, what happens next? So Tony Finau is 10-5. Tony Finau is another one of these guys who's had a ton of great success at Tory. And also, uh, you just saw me show you the, you know, the power rankings. It's basically, he's the second best player in this field over the last 24 or 30 or 36 or however you want to slice it. It's been, kind of been him and John Rahm at the top, even though there is a pretty big gap. Um, but because Xander Shoffley is 10-3 and you're going to get the narrative of him being a San Diego kid and you're going to see the narrative, or, or at least it's not a narrative, it's the facts that he's played much better at Torrey Pines recently than overall in his career. So if you go and look at um, Xander's holy grail here, you've got, you know, four missed cuts out of his first five trips to, to the Farmers Insurance Open. Then he starts to right the ship a little bit, right? He finished runner-up here in, in uh, 2021. Then he comes back five months later for the U.S. Open, finishes T7. Then he finishes T34 last year. So those are three of his better results just in his last three trips. So is he figuring it out or are we expecting kind of a mixed bag of results? But with his finish last week, not shaking off all of the back concerns, you could see a lot of people going to John Rahm. You could see a lot of people going to Xander Shoffley, and it leaves kind of Colin Morikawa and Tony Finau looking around like, well, what about us? Right? What about us? Um, Finau's been awesome. Uh, 
Uh, certainly interested to see if he checks in at like 16% ownership or something like that. We'll know later in the week, obviously, as this gets updated and it'll happen quickly over the course of, the, of Monday and Tuesday because this event is going to start on Wednesday morning. We'll know kind of the way this, this 10K range is shaping out. So if you're not playing Rom, you're probably going to end up playing either Finau or Morikawa because of kind of your game theory conversations. Let's look at Colin real quick. The argument against Colin is going to be his lack of distance here. He is by far the shortest of the guys in the 10K range. Uh, Xander, 300 yards on average. Tony, 303. John Rahm, 313. Colin, 289. Now, he hits a lot more fairways than the rest of those guys, and that just kind of narrows his path at Torrey Pines a little bit, right? Because if he's playing out of the fairway, uh, yes, he will be shorter than everyone else. Everyone else will kind of get a little bit of access, or excuse me, will, will separate themselves a little bit from Colin off the tee. But if he is playing out of the fairway, um, it, it's going to be scary stuff right? Because he's going to be able to take dead aim. And we know that he can kind of put much better on Poana now than he ever has before. So Colin is really, really interesting in this spot. Uh, the pathway to the top for him is more narrow because he has to play out of the fairway. If Colin does not play out of the fairway, he will miss the cut. Uh, that might be an exaggeration, but you get my point, right? Like he has to do this one thing. He does it more than everybody else. So you think he's going to continue to do it. And if he does that, he'll be just fine. But he cannot, he does not have the luxury of missing fairways with this distance. The 9K range. And I must admit, I was like, where's Sam Burns? Sam Burns, Sam Burns. Where, where, where is Sam Burns? Well, I want to click Sam Burns' name. He's not in the field, uh, which is disappointing. He's played well here. He was in that final group with Patrick Reed. And then he really, really struggled on Sunday and finished T21. I, I won't waste your, I, I was excited to, to bet Sam Burns. He's not here. Uh, Will Zalatoris, Justin Thomas, Sungjae Im, Taylor Montgomery, 92, Max Homa, and then Hideki Matsuyama, who's a flat $9,000. Zalatoris is going to be popular, um, as he should be, right? A guy who can hit his uh, long irons really well, who has a little bit of success here. So he's got the seventh place finish two years ago, the runner-up finish where he lost in a playoff to Luke List last year. The other two trips, so he missed the cut at the U.S. Open, and he missed the cut when he played this back in 2018 as the Farmers Insurance Open. So um, two missed cuts, two top seven finishes. I would wipe away the one from 2018, completely different golfer from 2018 to what he was in 20. 2021 and beyond. So we've got three trips to Torrey Pines for Zalatoris in, in, since 2021, and it's two top seven finishes. So, so no worries there. Justin Thomas is really interesting, right? So he's got um, three trips here, excuse me, four trips here. Three of them are top twenties, but none of them are better than like T17 or something like that. And then one missed cut. And he's been a little all over the place. You know, the the driver was bad in Maui at the tournament champions. He lost 3.3 strokes. He lost another stroke on approach. This is admittedly worrisome. This right here, this is a stretch now from the Scottish Open to the tournament of champions where Justin Thomas has been literally tour average, literally pedestrian on approach. That is very concerning because look at this um, stretch of golf before the Scottish Open. Plus six, plus six and a half. Plus two, plus three, plus four, plus five, plus three and a half, plus seven. Lost a ton at Colonial, but that's him gaining, you know, at least a stroke per round, basically. And now he is tour average. That's what? I mean, that's four shots worse uh, over the course of an event. So that's a little bit worrisome. But I think if you were to zoom out and you were to look at, uh, you know, everybody in this field for the last 100 rounds, and I'm kind of just doing this on the fly. I don't know what this is going to look like, but I bet you Justin Thomas 
is a yeah, he's the fourth best player in this field over the last 100 rounds. If we just do rounds that were played on the PGA Tour, I bet you he's even better. Yeah, he's number one. He's number one. So like th this is really, I think an interesting buy spot um, for. Justin Thomas, where you're just investing in that long-term form, right? This is something that you, or at least I tend to do more with the elite guys. And I think Justin Thomas certainly falls into that category. So you're saying, you know, on paper, this should be a pretty decent spot for him. I'm going to say if he can find that ceiling, which a lot of the top guys are always one swing away, he has the ability to win this golf tournament. The other thing to consider here is that Justin Thomas has a massive ceiling. So this is strokes gain distribution. So this is the amount of times that he gains five or more strokes to the field. He does it 9% of the time. It's right behind only Taylor Montgomery and John Rahm, believe it or not, those two. Um, but you can see JT's floor much lower than John Rahm's. It's actually been lower than Taylor Montgomery's. It's been actually similar to Will Gordon. So Justin Thomas is the more volatile option here in this 9K range. But if you're looking for that, that's a really good buy because everybody's going to go to Zalatoris, right? Everybody's, I mean, who's who's not going to go back to Taylor Montgomery who has never disappointed anyone, right? If you've played Taylor Montgomery at all this season, he's like never disappointed you. Maybe the 58th place finish that he had in Houston or 57th place finish, but other than that, it's been entirely top 15 finishes. He finished 11th at this event last year. Like who is not playing Taylor Montgomery because they have never, never been burned by this guy, right? So I think there's an opportunity where Montgomery catches a little bit of steam. Zalator is certainly going to catch a little bit of steam. JT comes in under-owned with a lot of upside. Sungjae M has played well here in the past at this event, 36th, 32nd, and 6th. Makes sense. He's a great ball striker. Like, I get it. I'm interested to see what everyone does with Homa. So we have not seen Max since the Tournament of Champions. And what I think we have to probably point out here is just the constant improvement. So Homa actually becomes really difficult to model because he is constantly getting better, right? And the version of himself, uh, you know, six months prior is almost always worse, right? So you can look at this. This is a constant improvement from, let's just go from 2019. He was a tour average player. 2020 he gained a third of a stroke per round. 2021 he gained a half a stroke per round. 2022 he's gained uh, a stroke per round. And now we're in the 2023 season and he's right back at that same number, but he's hitting his irons better than he ever has. His short game is better than it's ever been. His putter is by far the best it's ever been. He's a West Coast guy who knows how to play on Poana. So he's actually difficult he's difficult to model in some scenarios, but Max Homa at $9100 like I'm very interested in that. Now, if if the industry comes around in the next day or two and says, okay, well, we're going to just not be as heavy on Zalatoris as you, Rick, thinks we are going to be, and we're going to play Max Homa instead, like, okay, I guess I could um, calm that down. But Homa could be a very interesting one-and-done option for this week. He could be a, a very interesting like guy you want to play in matchups or top 10s or something like that because I get where we're going here, right? This constant trajectory, this pretty decent setup for him. He's longer than you probably think he is. He's longer than Taylor Montgomery. He's only four yards shorter than Justin Thomas. He's longer than Hideki. Like, I, I get it. I certainly get it. Before we go into the $8,000 range, I promised you the best putters on Poana. Uh, so let me do that. I'll go back to the start of 2020 and we'll look for guys with 
again, so this is where we run into like a sample size thing, right? So uh, how about at least 25 rounds or at least 20 rounds, 24 rounds, something like that? Matt McNeely, I already talked about, he's number one, right? So he's in that $8,600 range. I'll, I'll show you his results in a second. He's gaining a stroke per round on Poana. Wyndham Clark is second, 34 rounds, 0.89. Patrick Rogers is up here. John Rahm is fourth, no surprise there. JB Holmes back in the field, probably not going to play JB Holmes. Okay, so this is interesting. So Doug Gim, you know, noted poor putter, uh, is actually a positive putter on Poana in 25 rounds, 0.63 strokes per round. Let me just pull up Doug Gim really quickly here. I know he's not. I know. I know he's in the six thousand dollar range, and he's made, missed a ton of cuts, and he has not played particularly well. But I want to see how it's been. Yeah, okay. I was hoping to see something a little bit different. So, uh he's been putting poorly. Not as bad as I would have expected. I was hoping to see a little bit better in the ball striking categories. He's lost on approach in 6 out of his last 7. He's missed 3 cuts in a row. He's only I mean, he's made he's missed 6 of his last 8 cuts. I was hoping to see a little bit of ball striking and then put him on Poana greens and hopefully he can marry that, but that that's that's not what we're seeing. I mean, you can see Doug, Doug Gim splits here. He's a big loser on everything but Poana. Um, so maybe the it would be an absolute flyer because I wish he was hitting it better, but that is a big a big discrepancy there. The eights are really cool. So Jay, everyone will play Jason Day, right? And Jason Day will be a very popular one-and-done option. I don't even mind that all that much, especially if your one-and-done just started at the Sony Open and this is week three. You don't really have to play your position yet. I could absolutely see you using Jason Day, who's gained strokes on approach. Oh my gosh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine out of his last 10. He's coming in with five top 21 finishes in his last six starts. And now he's, I mentioned this at the top, like one of the very few guys who has just been awesome at Torrey Pines, right? And we'll look, we'll pull up his farmer's history. Um, and he did it again last year as well, where he had a T3 last year. He's got two wins at this event. He's got a bunch of top 10s. He missed the cut in 2021. He missed it in 2017. He missed it in 2016. It happens, right? There's going to be some ugly carnage miscuts this week by guys at the top of the board. It's absolutely going to happen. I don't mind if you want to play Jason Day this week. The maybe more interesting option, and we'll see what the ownership comes out to be, would be Mav McNeely. Speaking of guys, throw McNeely into the Max Homa category where he's just getting better all the time. Look at the last six starts from Max Homa. And I'll get my head out of the way here a little bit. This is just pure strokes gain. Plus eight, plus five and a half, plus six, plus eight, plus four and a half, plus seven point six. That turns into no worse than a T27 dating back to the event here in Las Vegas at the Shriners um, with a bunch of top 20s, a handful of top 12s in the mix as well. And we know he's always puts very well on Poana. Now he's kind of reliant on the flat stick, which is a little bit worrisome, but he like it's the same as Taylor Montgomery, right? When you're that guy and that's your skill set and you can constantly do it, like, Cool, no problem. There's just a different way to solve the math problem. So that's interesting. McNeely at 8,600. Low-key JJ Spawn, right? Does JJ Spawn finish outside the top 20 anymore? JJ Spawn, who is going to have to um, have a pretty narrow path here, right? He's one of the shortest hitters on tour. Averages 294 off the tee, but he is constantly driving in the fairway, hits a ton of uh, hits a ton of greens, has not finished outside the top 15 in his last four starts. He has six top 25s in his last seven. He hasn't missed a cut since the Wyndham Championship. That was last season. Um, gaining on approach, gaining off the tee. The short game is stout. Let's see what he's done at this event. I think he's got a couple of 
top 30s, probably nothing too. Yeah, I mean, T9, that was seven years ago was his best finish, but last two years or two of the last three years, he's been T30, T34. He missed the cut in between. So it's not the worst thing in the world, but just worth noting that he is um, on a stretch right now. The one thing that I always find really interesting that happens here is someone like Adam Hadwin, um, who, you know, everybody wanted to play the Desert Fox last week because he had this elite course history at uh, the American Express. We know he shot a 59. And then what happens is, he just gets discarded, right? It's like, okay, well, we, we, we played him at that spot. Now we can just move on. Well, he played fine last week, T18. That, that's probably way better than expectation. That would have been better than what his line would have been set for. He was probably a dog to finish inside the top 20. Um, gained seven strokes to the field. Gained seven and a half on approach alone in Houston. So this is now a stretch where he has gone, f- I mean, his last five, now it dates back to, dates back to Shriners. Has two top tens, three of them are top 18 finishes, no worse than T49. That was the CJ Cup. That was a very difficult event. Uh, we know he's a great putter in general, but he's great on Poana. Let's look up his farmer's history and we'll find it's okay. He missed the cut uh last year, but had made the cut in five previous to that. Nothing too special. But I think it's really worth noting. He's the perfect example of this where you have a guy who was very, very popular last week or everybody was talking about him or everybody wrote him up as a course horse or everybody did whatever. And now that week's over and you just like discard, discard him, but he's, there's no reason to do that, right? He's $8,200. He's playing well. He finished 18th last week. Like, what are we doing here, guys? What are we doing? The Cam Davis miscut was really disappointing last week, obviously. Now, he lost strokes across the board, lost in all four categories, which I believe is the first time he's done that since maybe ever. I'm kind of looking back since uh, here. The 2021 Sanderson Farms was the last time he lost strokes across the board. So that's pretty uncharacteristic. I'll, I'll see what the industry does, but I will probably get back in on Cam Davis in some capacity this week. And then Hayden Buckley's back in the field. $8,000. He is fresh off the runner-up finish at the Sony. You guys know how high I am on him this year. He is a great driver of the golf ball. You're going to need to drive it well. Um, yeah, going right back to him. This Luke list, like, okay, th- you can get ready to clip this. This Luke list price at $8,000 is a joke right? I know he's the defending champion. I know that he has played at this, played this event really, really well. He has, boy, I mean, he's since this win last year, he's missed like more than half of his cuts. His best finish was a T11. That was at the tournament of champions. There's only 39 golfers in this field. He's losing five to eight strokes putting regularly. The ball striking is not even as good as it once was. It's okay. I mean, it's better than average, but it's not as good as it once was. This is kind of joke, right? I mean, he was, let's see here. He's $8,000. He has not been $8,000 since the Valero Texas Open. He was $8,500. He has been living in the 6,000s and low 7,000s. Now we get an $8,000 price tag. That feels like an absolute trap, but I guess maybe he'll just win it again. But that, that's, that's a tough scene. Speaking of tough scenes, I got wiped again on bro throw with the matchups that you guys sent me. So I lost every, I think it was only four or five, but I lost every matchup last week that you guys sent over. Luckily it wasn't for much, but if you want to get into this group, so bro throw, it's, um, the, the juice, there's the juice does not go to the house, right? So you're just betting against other people. And we have a group here 
And I swear we probably have 400 people in this group now, so we can kind of all just make wagers with one another. Yeah, we have 396, and I'll let these two guys in. So we have 398. I'd love to get this over 400, over 500, um, so that we can just continue to bet with one another. So there's a link in the description, promo code, or it's not a promo code, it's uh, brothroad.com slash Rick. There's a ton of, obviously, wagers for... NFL at any price point, $5 up to 500. And you can take whatever side you want. Uh, you can see what's currently out there and, and go on from there. So, um, check that out because they, they were also doing something cool where during the course of, uh, the event, it was like on, on Friday night, I think it was like John Rom versus the field. And there was a line set on that. I think it was John Rom plus 140, something like that. I'd have to look it up, but that is, uh, it's cool. They're doing a really good job on, on golf bets right now. A lot of matchups and a lot of things to look at. Okay. The $7,000 range. Okay. Um, how do we want to do this? I was not very high on Taylor Pendrith last week. Uh, and I, you know, just pat myself on the back here. That that worked out very well. He missed the cut. This is a much better setup for him, right? Allow him to just bomb it off the tee where distance is really, really important. If he misses the fairway, okay, fine. But we've got other things that we can that we can bank on. He is he lost three strokes off the tee at the American Express. Now that's only one round. That's the one round at the stadium course, right? Because of the way that they do shot length for the three course rotation. He is a constant gainer. That's the first time he's lost off the tee since the genesis of last year, coming up on a year, right? Um, now he did miss four months with that broken rib last year, but he was great before that. He was great after that. This is one of the spots for him, right? When, when you start pointing out better spots for Taylor Pendrith than most, it's like here, Detroit Golf Club, uh, maybe 3M a little bit. Um, but like, just, I, I think we got to get back on Taylor Pendrith uh, for this week. He finished 16th here last year. Don't mind that whatsoever. Uh, the rest of the 7K range. So guys that we've kind of been tracking, Thomas Dietrich is criminally underpriced here, right? At $7,600. He is being priced with guys that are... In some cases, an entire stroke per round worse than him in this 7K range over the last 24 rounds. I mean, Scott Stallings is, I know he has one huge outlier, but like a stroke and a half per round worse. Uh, Harris English has been two-thirds of a stroke worse. Even Taylor Pendrith, a guy that I love, is like two-thirds of a stroke per round worse. Davis Riley, a full stroke worse. These are guys that are all priced similar. Uh, Thomas Dietrich, uh, last, I mean, he this this run he's on. In an event that's like really weird and tricky and you can get kind of kind of blown up, T26 at the American Express, which is now which is now what? Six top 26 finishes in seven PGA Tour starts this season, something like that. I mean, it's it's just really, really good. I don't think this is um, a particularly great spot for him, but I do think that when you're rolling, you're rolling, you're playing well, you're playing with confidence, you are playing a lot, he's playing a lot. This is a bad price. It's a really bad price on him. Nick Hardy is a is is going to be a really interesting litmus test, right? He is longer than average off the tee, very inaccurate, but great on his second shot. So if we are going to say that you know, the model loves driving distance and doesn't care as much about accuracy. And then you get the ability to hit your second shots into these greens and be on the correct tier and then all that fun stuff. 
you got to think Nick Hardy has a decent chance. He's missed his two cuts at this event the last two times he's played it, but um, one of them was like 2018, so I'm not too worried about that. Still trying to figure out what type of golfer he is. He's going to have to putt well, right? He's going to have to putt well in these Poana greens. That's where he usually gives up three strokes or, or, or more. Let's see if he has any Poana rounds. Oh, he does. Nine rounds, nearly a stroke per round. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I think all of them came at last year's U.S. Open. But, oh, man. I mean, it's not it's not crazy. Poana, it can kind of baffle some of the better putters. Not baffle, but, like, be very frustrating. And for the worst putters, it's like, ah, well, I'm kind of more at the luck of the draw than I've ever been, and this is going to cause fits for everybody, so I might as well just roll the rock. Um that's really interesting. Wow. I was not necessarily expecting to see that. So Nick Hardy's here at $7,400. That certainly has my full attention. If we sort the 7K range by last 24 rounds, the guy at the top is Ben Griffin. He did it again. 32nd place finish at the American Express. That's a bunch of good finishes in a row. He's gaining a stroke and a half per round. Will, Will Gordon is second. Patrick Rogers, third. Alex Molly fourth. Aaron Baddeley, right? Fifth. Flat $7,000. Ben Griffin, I believe, is the number one... Yeah, he's the number one jock market player in the last 10 starts. He's basically doubling your money and then some. 133% average ROI. This is stock market DFS. You buy shares of golfers if they outperform their, their expectation. You win money. If they don't, you lose money. Um, so average IPO, $3.28 a share. Average payout, six eighty three over his last 10. It's the best player in, in the field. The other thing is, jock market released prop pick'em. Very, very quietly last week. Uh, I think it's a soft launch. You have to update the app. They're like trying to like now they've got both games, right? They've got pick them and they've got stock market DFS. So like two of my favorite games ever are now in one spot. So I'm pretty stoked about that. There's a deposit. You can use my deposit code, uh, Rick. There's a link in the description. I'll get you a hundred dollar deposit match. Play both of these. Buying shares of Ben Griffin might be a pretty good idea this week. I think I said, I think last week, was it on the live chat where I was like, I'll just go buy like 10 shares of JT Poston. Yeah, that worked out well. It doesn't always work out that way. But Ben Griffin's been really, really good. He's the top earner in the jock market. He's the top player in the 7K range in general in terms of strokes gained. Um, really excited about that. I will point out Robbie Shelton again. I screwed this one up. You know, I had Robbie Shelton, uh, someone I've been so high on, and I had him ve ranked very, very highly in my season-long rankings. And then I got cold feet, and I waived him in some leagues for Nick Taylor last week. That did not work out well. Robbie Shelton finishes T6 at the American Express, Express gains five strokes on approach. So now we've got only one measured event, or excuse me, two measured events this season in which he's lost strokes on approach. One of them, he lost 0 0.08. That was in Napa. It's basically zero. So really, really good ball striker. He is short off the tee. He's going to have to keep it in play, but he has played well here. He has done that here at Torrey Pines. So if you look at his results, uh, it was 2021 and 2020, 16th place finish, 36th place finish, two top tens in his last three starts. I'm sorry, Robbie Shelton. That's on me. I will never do that again. Um, he's $7,200, certainly a good value for this week. The sixes, and then we'll run a model. Justin Lauer, $6,900, right? There was the long break between the RSM Classic and his first start of 2023, which was the American Express. Got off to a slow start, played really well the final three days. So he went, uh, he gained basically a, a stroke and a half per round each of the last three rounds. Yeah, go do that again. Gained six strokes on the field at the... 
farmer's insurance open and I'll love it for $6,900. So that is, um, that is interesting at 69 to start off this range. Let me point out a couple of other things here. So if you just flip this last 24 rounds uh, of guys in the 6K range, this could go back pretty far. Some of these guys haven't played since like the RSM Classic or even if you're Cody Gribble, like Bermuda, basically. Um, maybe even maybe even further than that. Uh, so it's Cam Percy, Eric Cole, Kevin Yu, Cody Gribble, Justin Lauer, top five strokes game per round, last 24 rounds. Look at this though. Kevin Yu... Gaining two fantasy points per round to the field. That is basically twice that of anyone else in this range because he makes so many freaking birdies and he's going to give it back with bogeys. But like, if you can find him into the weekend, he's going to circle a lot of numbers on his card, right? I mean, that's a pretty big difference between other guys who have the same, same strokes gain metrics uh, or better and you are gaining twice the fantasy points per round to them. It's fairly significant. Is Nico Echeverria in this range? He's got to be, right? Yeah, okay, he's 6,500. So let me pull him up real quick. Not ready to like jump out and get him, but someone we need to keep an eye on. Gained 2.4 strokes, ball strike at the RSM Classic. Missed the cut, gaining 1.6. T12 at the Sony Open, gained two strokes ball striking there, gained strokes at the American Express, missed the cut. So in the two course rotations that he's played in the last three starts, he has gained strokes to the field and missed the cut in both. That's pretty unlucky. It's pretty unlucky. Okay? I think he's playing better than things indicate. I don't think he's like a, a world beater by any stretch, but he's also, I mean, he graduated from PGA Tour Latino America. He got through the Corn Ferry. Now he's on the PGA Tour, right? Constant improvement unlucky, uh, and very, very cheap. Someone to keep an eye on just in the handful of next couple of starts. Uh, the rest of the range is pretty bad. Okay, let's let's run a model here. We'll find some people. So custom model, rickrungood.com. What are we going to do? Let's, oh boy. All right, well, what do I, what do I want? I want, um, let's start with Poana. Okay, so let's do... 15 on strokes gained Poana greens. Let's do, uh, I'm only going to put a little bit on course history because it can be pretty wonky here, but let's do 10 on strokes gained uh, Torrey Pines. Then what we will do is we'll go to driving. Yep, we got to give distance a pretty, pretty good bump here. We'll do 25 on distance. We will do 20, let's do this. Let's do like a weighted mixed situation for approach. Let's do 10 on last 12 on approach, 15 on last 24. So this is, uh, well, maybe not on last 24. Let's do last 50. So we're kind of giving, a, 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 we're giving 25 weights to strokes gained approach, but we are doubling, basically doubling up or a little less than doubling up the count for recently, which I think is is kind of interesting. We have 24 left. We could go to like strokes gained hard, for hard courses, this is going to be one of the harder courses. Now you're going to get a little, you're going to get a reprieve when you go to the North course. So let's put, let's put 10 on strokes gained hard. And then, oh boy, uh, 15 left implied win. Just put it on the odds implied winning. Let's do that. Number one player, John Rom. Yeah. I mean, right. Like what combination of things was I going to put together that John Rom was not going to be the number one player? Um, Will's Altoris is number two. 
It's a pretty big gap, though. That's eight points from John Rahm, who's a 92 in value, so 92 out of 100. Will Zaltors, who's 84. Then JT, who's 83. So that's pretty cool. So John Rahm, obviously, number one, no surprise there. Will Zaltors, number two, probably no surprise there. JT's 9,400 and number three. I like that. Gary Woodland is four. Gary plays hard golf course as well. He's uh, hitting it better recently. Distance is kind of back up. That's good. Dietrich's five. Dietrich's five. The only thing Dietrich kind of gets a knock on is like uh, strokes gain hard. hard. Will Gordon, Jason Day, Hideki, Charlie Hoffman. Man, if I play Charlie Hoffman, I'm in big trouble. Uh, Tony Finau is 10. Cam Davis is 11. Okay, let me save this because I might want to mess around with this later in the week. We'll call this 2023 Tory. Maybe I weighed up on a couple of things too much, like doubling up on the approach and stuff like that. But, uh, hmm, okay, cool. Well, we'll mess around with that. You can mess around with that. Go to rickrungood.com, sign up. I think you'll love it. Constantly making improvements. I love it. Strictly for golf fantasy and golf betting. It's all it's for. Tweet me, at Rick Rungood. Say hello. If I see, if I see you at Tory, say hello. I'll be out there. It'll be great. Um, best of luck this week. I'll talk to you guys soon.